A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, Blue Murder Cubbers, and welcome to the series finale of Around the World. My name's Lauren, and I hear with me today is... It's Carrie. Hello. Hello, hello. Did you like my radio voice? <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. I was on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and this week's competition winner is... Yes, that's a rough bell. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very excitable. <laughs> Why are you excited? Because... It's our series finale. We, we are going out of a bang, aren't we? A hell of a bang. Mm. This one, this sick puppy, he's been on our radar <laughs> for a while. You brought him up. We've wanted to do him, but I was very intimidated by it. Yeah, it's a massive it's case, isn't it? Yeah. Humongous. It is a big case. And it was quite scary because this particular killer popped up when I was doing my research for Jeffrey Dahmer case. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that put me off researching him for quite a few <laughs> months because he features it in one of the last episodes, doesn't he? Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I don't think I actually want to look into this man because he's terrifying. He is fucking scary as fuck. Yes, he swear, is. Swear, but swear, but swear, sorry. He's yeah. <laughs> scary. He's so scary. So, who are we talking about, Lauren? This week, we're talking about John to the Wayne to the Gacy. <laughs> the killer clown. Yeah, Pogo. Pogo and Patches. Oh. He had two. Yeah. <laughs> There's Pogo the happy clown and Patches the serious clown. I would not want to no, meet Patches. I don't want to know what Patches is. No, I imagine Patches is like that one in American Horror Story who has like, I don't know. He's a serial yes, killer, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, I know exactly yeah. what you're about. I think he's oh. called Patches. So oh. if you rung him up and said, listen, I want a clown for the birthday, is he going to say to you, do you want Pogo, the happy, <laughs> go lucky fella, or do you want the sad, Patch. sadistic Patches? <laughs> Who's going to say sad? Not me. No, I don't know. I don't know whether he was a clown for hire. He just did it for charity. So oh, yeah. well, I suppose I if say... it's a charity, you don't care choice. No, it's unless your child's a cunt day. and say, no, I want a sad one. <laughs> Make them all cry. oh god don't so yeah today we're covering the case of john wayne gacy the killer clown um what a case in it oh my lordy what a case Mm. i just i'm baffled by it i'm still really really intimidated by it yeah i hope we do it justice i hope we do the victims justice do you think looking at him you can tell what he is because i do and I don't know whether it's because I know what he did, but looking at his face, he just looks like one evil mofo to me. Looking at him, I've got a bit of a soprano kind mm. of 
Do you know what I mean? He's he looks like he looks he's got a cruel look about him. I yes, think. he's got a very yeah sly look. Spit. Yeah, I just think yeah. he just looks like the sort of bloke that just don't care about anyone don't except himself. Mm-hmm. He just has that look. He reminds me of I don't know who I'm trying to get at here, but you know, like dressed in the burby with all the rings, a bit chavy, the bloke that won the lottery, right, mm. dick. Dickhead. Yeah. Do you know who I'm going on about? Yeah, I do know. Yeah, I don't know what his name is. No, that bloke. I don't know. There was just something about the look of him, I think. He just had that smug look and... Yeah. I think you could look at him and go, "Mm," but that's just because I know what he done, I think. Because he was very popular when he was alive. He was, but a lot of witnesses said he was dead behind the eyes. Did you hear that a lot? I heard that fucking lot. I didn't didn't see that. No, I missed His eyes, his dead eyes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's all about the eyes. I always bang on about eyes, don't I? You don't. Maybe I've got a bit of a <laughs> weird streak about eyes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right, so here we go. Ready? For our series finale of boom, Around the boom, World. Boom, let's do this. <laughs> I'm quite sad to be going around, finished going around the world, actually. We've got to go back to England after this one, haven't we? Yeah. So We'll see you there. We will see you there. <laughs> right, yeah, so I've got a little bit about um, John Gacy Jr.'s early life. He was born in Chicago, 17th of March, 1942. So that's during the Second World War, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only son of Marion and John Gacy Sr. Um, his mother was a pharmacist and a housewife, and his father was a World War One veteran and apparently was a functioning alcoholic who had a bit of a violent temper. Uh, he worked as a mechanic. Um, so Gacy was the second child in his family and he had two sisters as well so yeah family of three he was the only boy and um his father when he was born was really happy because he always wanted a son who he could take hunting and do sports with i think i think gacy senior sounded like quite a man's man and he really wanted he was like brilliant we've got a son i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna you know man him up yeah take him you know show him teach him all the things you know blah blah um but unfortunately Gacy, young Gacy was a crushing disappointment to Gacy Senior. Oh, no. He wasn't really into sports and things like that. He was quite a chubby little boy and he was quite effeminate. And um, Gacy's dad properly bullied him about it. He was constantly calling him a pat, pasty, patsy, patsy, sissy, mama's boy, oh, that kind God. of thing. Yeah, so he was really disappointed that Gacy wasn't more like athletic and yeah. outgoing and stuff. And, um, so, yeah, he he did prove to be a disappointment to his father. Um, so, Gacy Senior's violence towards Marion and the children only discouraged um, young Gacy, <laughs> Gacy Junior, to spend less time with his father. And he sort of sort of gravitated between his mum and his sisters because they were safer, they weren't su- subjected to outbursts of violence and aggression mm-hmm. like his dad was. Um, and of course, that just enraged his dad more. It was a bit of a vicious circle for the family. Yeah. So, but you can see where he's coming from. He doesn't want to spend time with a man who's bullying him and all Mm-mm. that sort of thing. But the more he did did it, the more he got bullied. So it was a <laughs> massive vicious circle, really. And he much preferred the company of his mum and his sisters. His dad, by all accounts, would come home from work and go spend quite a lot of time in the family basement which was out of bounds to the rest of the family which gave me proper fritzel vibes to be honest um but it's right i don't think it was a dungeon it was just a basement (laughs) but it was a place where it sounds like a place where he could just blow off steam be himself he'd get really pissed down there 
And apparently the family would hear him arguing and talking to himself in different voices and stuff. So maybe he had some kind of split personality going on or maybe, I don't know, maybe he's just really living his work day. You know, sometimes you play arguments over in your head, (laughs) but he was doing it out loud because he was pissed out of his face. I don't know. This is what I could have said. I play that game all the time. Oh, me too. Yeah. Keeps me awake at night. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He does. (laughs) So yeah, this is this is what it was like in the Gacy household. Uh, it sounds like as soon as the father come home, they were just waiting for him to get drunk, and then the violence, you know, violence would come about, the aggression, the arguments between the mum and the dad. Um, he frequently told he would frequently tell young Gacy he was a failure and that he would amount to nothing, but that he wanted Gacy Junior to become a businessman like himself who had a good standing in the community. He also made it very clear that he thought. Gacy Jr. might be gay and that if that were the case that he would be better off dead. So fair, fair bit of um, homophobia going on in that household. Yeah. But it's the 1950s so that's probably the general kind of um, attitude back then I suppose. But it, it's going to profoundly affect a youngster. Of course it We've is. seen this before haven't yeah. we in cases we've, we've covered where yeah. they're struggling with their sexuality and they want to they want to you know be loved by get the approval but they going, you know, closeting themselves and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So there's a little anecdote that Gacy um, admitted to when he was older and he was interviewed about his life. So when he was four years old, he went into his father's workshop like in the basement where no one was allowed to go and he started moving all the tools around and he made a bit of a mess like four-year-olds tend to do. And when Gacy Senior came home and he saw what happened, he took his belt to the boy. So four-year-old got belted. Oh, so it's pretty, pretty harsh punishment, isn't Violent, it, for a four-year-old, yeah. 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 Um, one time, apparently, Gacy Senior hit his wife Marion so hard that she actually lost some teeth, and she ran down the street trying to get away from this assault, and he chased her down the street. So this is all in front of all the kids. Obviously, Gacy's witnessing this. He's seeing this violence every day and feeling the aggression and probably feeling the fear of it and stuff. Yeah. So pretty, not very nice, you know, home life for all of the Gacy children, really, and the mum. But even so, even regardless of all that, young Gacy absolutely loved and respected his dad and he always strove to impress him and make him proud. Gacy described himself as an odd child as he he, ten, he liked to tend to plants and he liked to listen to classical music. He described his dad as a Jekyll and Hyde figure who was a lovely guy, really sort of the earth, kind of happy, jovial, until he got a drink in him and then his temper would come out. So it's classic, really, yeah. isn't it? And he survived World War One. so who knows what trauma he faced in the trenches and stuff. It's Yeah, PST or something, yeah. Could be, easily. Yeah. Um, and here's another anecdote from Gacy's youth. This is young, I think, really young to be doing this sort of thing. So in 1949, so he's only seven, mm-hmm. maybe eight, Gacy's father whipped him with a razor strop, so that's like another leather strap kind of thing. After him and another boy were caught sexually fondling a 15-year-old girl who had learning difficulties. Apparently, they were playing house with this 15-year-old girl who had learning, uh, like learning disability. Like any of that story. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And, he, and the boys got caught and the dad took a belt to them. Uh, the same year, a family friend began to occasionally molest young Gacy. So there's a lot going on in his head. He's yeah. such a young, a young boy. That impressionable there's age. There's so much yeah. going on. I can't imagine how he would cope with it. Like, there's... Sexual abuse going on to himself. He's sexually abusing others. Mm-hmm. There's violence being dealt out to his mother, to himself, probably to his sisters. Who knows? Yeah. And there's a lot going on anyway. Um, 
So this man was a close family friend and actually was one of the workers at his father's mechanic workshop. And Gacy never told this to his dad because he thought that his dad would blame him. Mm-hmm. So he kept it to himself. Uh, Gacy also said when he was a child, he would experiment by dressing up in, in his mother's underwear and sometimes he'd put a lipstick on. And later on, he claimed that his mother threatened to punish him by walking him around the neighbourhood in this attire if she caught him doing it again. Oh. So he's experimenting with his sexuality mm-hmm. and he got caught and was told for punishment, I'm going to walk you around the block. Oh. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. This is a this is a child that's really been pulled from pillar to post, I think, emotionally. And I think he probably could have done with a spell in some kind of a... I don't know. Respite some, or something. Yeah, yeah, somewhere to straighten his head out and, yeah. and maybe be demonstrated a normal family life. I don't know, to be honest. Plenty of people have worse upbringings than that mm-hmm. and they don't do what he did. But still, you can see as a kid, it's it, your heart goes out to him as a kid. Yeah. At the age of 11, Gacy Jr. was hit on the head with a swing. It caused him go. to black out. Yeah, here we, that's what I thought. Here we go. It caused him to black out. And as a young teen, Gacy began having headaches, um, dizziness and fainting spells. And in 1957, he was hospitalised because of a burst appendix. And later on, he estimated that between the ages of 14 and 18, he'd spent about a year in hospital. And so that explained his poor academic record. Like, he didn't graduate high school. He was... Not very good with his mm-hmm. grades, but if you're in that hospital all the time, it's going to have a knock-on effect, isn't it? His father had little sympathy, however, and claimed his son was milking it and that he was a weakling. Oh, it's for like, fact, mate. Your appendix is burst weakly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was reading it. I'm thinking, what the hell? This is crazy. He must be on the bottle constantly, mustn't yeah, he? Just but, nasty. Yeah, fancy going on. Like, um, so later on, his mother, at his subsequent trial years down the line, they brought his mother out as a witness. And she testified in court that her son had suffered with epileptic fits during this period as well. And we've heard this before, haven't yeah. we, with other um, mass killers. They've, the epileptic fits can damage the brain. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I'm not sure whether you know this, but once he died, they all topped his brain. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, they so, couldn't find anything good, though. Oh, perfectly fine brain. There was no brain damage, <clears throat> so who knows what... <laughs> make of that what you will, listener. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that personally because you see the bang on the head you think oh that explains yeah, it yeah there we go that, that's what I thought. it doesn't explain it because no. he had a normal brain jesus christ so hey i don't know who knows at school his performance was disappointing but he was exceptional at talking himself out of trouble so i think that did come up time and time again that he was a good talker very good at getting people on his side very personable, mm-hmm. very popular. Mm-hmm. At age 16, he began taking medication for heart ailments <laughs> and he was seen as weaker than other teenagers. And this compounded his inability to be sporty like his father, as medically he was unable to be sporty. Again, his dad's like, he's just a weakling. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> you will do sport. The geese has got a heart ailment, but... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Um... So he began a lifelong interest in politics as a late teenager. So around about the time he left high school, 18, he began to get interested in politics and he worked for the local Democratic candidate. Still, his father didn't, wasn't impressed and called him a patsy. Oh, God. <laughs> There's no place in some people, is there? Um, at age 20, he's had enough. He moved to Las Vegas where he gained employment as a... I think he started out as an ambulance assistant mm-hmm. and then he got moved to the mortuary. Um he was quite successful in this role until he was trusted to work alone. 
you know you read these things you're like i know it's well, i know it's gonna happen if i keep reading something gross is gonna happen mm. yeah it does oh so so one fateful evening when he was alone he climbed in the coffin with the corpse of a young man mm-hmm. and then he pulled the corpse on top of him like gacy's it's gacy's story he's told everyone mm-hmm. so i don't know why you wouldn't keep this story to yourself i personally wouldn't maybe he's proud of it probably i don't know maybe it was when he was trying to get say i'm mad i'm mad or something uh, could be. but I don't, I don't know but still anyway so he pulled the corpse of the young man on top of him and he started to feel aroused by it mm. um i think at this point he may have had one or two gay sexual encounters but he was still like all his life he was adamant he was not gay he was bisexual so um he was obviously like in denial about his mm-hmm. sexuality because of his dad. His dad, yeah. yeah his dad's opinion. Yeah. Um, this absolutely freaked him out, the fact that he'd done this. So he quit the job in the mortuary and he moved back to Chicago. <clears throat> and he enrolled in business college where he finally came into his own. It transpired he was brilliant at business, really good salesman. And he, um, at age 21, he began employment as a, the training manager of the Numbush Shoe Shop. Um, in September 1964, Gacy met and married one of his colleagues at the shoe shop who's called Marley Myers. I like the name Myers. Michael? Yes, from Halloween. <laughs> um, so Marlene's dad, so Gacy's father-in-law, he saw Gacy's huge potential. He thinks the sun shines mm-hmm. out of his new son-in-law's butt. So um, he, he has three Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises. And a pizza hut. Sorry. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> oh, do you think of that? That's a good song. Um, yeah, so he's got three KFC franchises mm-hmm. in a town called Waterloo in Iowa. And he, he first of all, he says to Gacy, I want you to run one of them. And oh. he does such a good job of it. Eventually, Gacy is running all three and the family moved to Waterloo in Iowa. So he leaves Chicago, moved to Iowa. Wow. And he takes over all three franchises. Apparently, he's brilliant at it. He's smashing it really really good so they moved to Waterloo and Gacy used his basement there as a recreational hangout for his teenage KFC employees and it was known that sometimes he would try to make sexual advances to some of the male workers so he'd always would hire really young uh, workers but to be honest it's always teenagers that work in these places it's cheap labour isn't it um so I think in the basement it was a bit of like a party kind of place so yeah. they'd he'd put on like blue movies give him some drugs give him alcohol and then maybe get a bit frisky i'm not sure um so yeah the couple they went on to have two children and his dad was said to i think when he when marlene marlene gave birth to the first child his father actually come and made amends with him and said i'm really sorry son for the way i've treated you you've really come good i'm proud of you um and so, obviously, Gacy would have been absolutely made up about that. Blow me down. Yeah, exactly. He just... Wow. The birth of the son completely yeah. flipped. Perhaps he's seen the son and thought, my son is not go. Yeah. That's all he yeah. wanted. I don't know. Obviously, he still went playing sports because by now he works in three calf season. He's about 20 starting. Yeah. <laughs> Gacy was a chunk, wasn't yeah. Um So, he was described as a complete success story. Um, this is from the outside, obviously. A family man and a rising star of the business world and a popular member of the community. It was during this period that he joined a group called the JCs. They're called they're a political group. They're established as the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce and they've been going since nineteen twenty. And it provided opportunities for young men between eighteen and forty to develop personal and leadership skills through service to others. 
<laughs> service for others this is where the clowning comes in later on right. it's like a charity so you go out and you cheer people up and you do charitable works and there's loads of videos of him doing mm-hmm. all this stuff and for some reason at some point he decided to create program patches and cheer up the local children's hospitals by scaring the shit out of them because no one likes a clown let's face yeah. it ain't nobody got have you ever seen a clown that's made you laugh because they're just terrifying yeah they're not yeah they're not <laughs> they're not most people are scared of clowns it's yeah. a well-known fact in fact there's a phobia isn't there while I'm talking for my next bit, would you mind looking up what yeah, the word sure. is for clown phobia, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll have a go, yeah. No, sod that. I would not be happy if this dude... And the name JC's, by the way, I just yeah. keep thinking, Jesus Christ. Oh, perhaps that's where it JC's. comes from. Yeah, I'm Could not sure. <laughs> but noticeable previous members of the JC's have mm-hmm. been uh, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, Howard Hughes, Elvis Presley, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. So there's a lot of really influential former members of the JCs. It's a very... Have you oh, got the name? I can't do it. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Phobia of clowns. Oh, cool, cool Well done. Coolerophobia. I'm glad you said it because I was looking at that thinking, <laughs> mate, that makes sense. <laughs> They're always funny words, aren't they? The phobia yeah, words, the phobias. Yeah. I'm like, why? Yeah. Just write clownophobia. <laughs> clownophobia. People know what that is. It sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? Yeah. Coolophobia. Um, so, he developed a huge interest in politics and supported the Democrat Party. He was very successful in persuading others to join up and he had a very successful career in the JCs, winning several accolades, including the third most outstanding JC in Illinois. <laughs> the wow. third most, I mean. Yeah. Would you get bronze medal? Yeah. Um, and he actually became vice president. He would organise get-togethers with other members of the group that included watching porn films, eating KFC. Apparently, whenever he went out with the JCs or friends and stuff, he'd always bring a bucket of chicken and he'd want people to call him the Colonel. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like a lot. He does. I mean... But who's pretty? Is he bringing porn? Is everyone like, no, we don't really want the porn? He's like, just fucking watch Watch it. You will love it. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounds a a bit... I don't know, no, car I don't. keys in a fruit bowl kind of stuff yeah. going on. But it seems like everyone loved it because he was very popular. Um, and he was very popular with members of the group. During this time, Gacy experienced his first gay sexual experience with another JC member. He and his wife would even organise pool parties that turned into orgies. Oh la la, yeah, keys in a bucket. Right. It sounds like In it, the KFC it? bucket. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put a keys. name on the wing. <laughs> Whoever wing you get, that's who you're going home with. If you go home and you've got grease on your car keys everyone knows what you've been around the uh, yeah. gacy's for the evening um so this recruitment to the cause was quite easy for gacy and gacy appeared to be living the american dream with ambitions to actually eventually become the jc president mm-hmm. cracks began to appear in the ideal however when rumors began to spread that gacy was making sexual advances to young employees within his father-in-law's franchise restaurants and in may 1968 he was indicted for allegedly sodomizing a 15 year old called donald Voorhees jr who was the son of Donald E. Voorhees, a local politician and a fellow JC. Gacy lured Voorhees to his house with the promise of showing him porn films that they regularly played at JC events. Gacy maintained his innocence and publicly denied any wrongdoing and insisted the charges were politically motivated, that Voorhees Sr. had opposed Gacy's nomination for appointment as president of the Iowa JCs. Several fellow JCs found Gacy's story credible and rallied to his support. So that's the thing. He's saying, no, he's got his son to make mm. up this shit against me because he don't want me to be president, which mm. sounds like a convincing argument, yeah. doesn't it? 
However, on the 10th of May 1968, Gacy was indicted on the sodomy charge. Gacy, well, this is pretty sinister, he promised one of his employees $300 to beat up the young witness, so to completely intimidate him and dissuade him from testifying. Um, but the young man, like mm-hmm. Donald Voorhees Jr., he managed to escape his attacker. The police arrested the young employee who confessed to having been hired by Gacy. Gacy was charged and forced to undergo psychiatric evaluation. And he was deemed fit for trial, but unlikely to benefit from any medical intervention. So at the trial, Gacy pleaded decided to plead guilty to the sodomy charge and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. During this period, his wife divorced him and he never saw her or their children again. And while he was incarcerated, his beloved father also died and um, he didn't even find out that his dad had died until they buried him. So he couldn't go to the funeral. And um, yeah, apparently that really did grieve him. Right, this is weird. While he was in prison, Gacy was a model prisoner and he became the head chef in the prison kitchen. Obviously, he had all his experience in the KFC, Mm -hmm. so he's used to producing food en masse, isn't he? And he also joined the prison choir. During this time, which is just such a brilliant fluke, there was a documentary made about his prison and he's interviewed on it. No. Yeah. So there he is in his chef whites with um, head chef John Gacy on the breast pocket and he's been interviewed about... um, you know, just about the, what his role is in the prison and all that sort of thing. Wow. And, um Yeah, and then they then they got then they show a clip of them singing Christmas carols, and there he is in the choir. Jesus, yeah, God. it's mental. It's right there on tell You can yeah. just go, you can just watch it on YouTube. It's mental. Wow. I mean, what a time capsule. Yeah, yeah, hundred mm, percent. But he was only in his mid twenties then. He was about twenty five wow. or something. He was really young, but he was packing a timber on. You could, yeah, yeah already. So, yeah, so his beloved father died while he was in jail and he didn't discover he'd passed away until he'd already been buried and this did have a profound effect on Gacy and it was said that he very rarely smiled again for the rest of his sentence. Um, I watched that, that John Gacy tapes mm-hmm. uh, documentary that's on Netflix and they interviewed his um, friend who was in prison with him and he said that. So, um, wow. incredibly, after only 16 months in the Iowa State Correctional Facility, he was released on parole. <laughs> So by the middle of 1970, he was out on parole and he returned to Chicago where he uh, moved back in with his mum for about four months. Mm-hmm. Um, no one in the neighbourhood was aware of his conviction and anyone who knew thought he'd served time because he'd been caught distributing porn films. So nobody knew that he'd been done for sodomy. They just thought, oh, he'd been caught, you know, distributing mucky videos. Mm-hmm. So no one really, everyone was like, oh, you know, yeah. he's fine, he's fine. So he lived with his mum for four months and he got a job as a chef. He saved up money as much as he could so he could start his own firm. This is quite notorious name of a firm. It's called PDM Contractors, which will probably mean a lot to a lot of people. Because, you know, when you read it, and you're like, that's an infamous name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it was like Painting, Decorating, Maintenance, Contractors, Incorporated. Can I just put in, mm. have you seen what he says? What? Gacy. He makes a joke of what, he's, what he stands for. No, go on. What did he say? Pretty damn messy construction. Oh, really? Pretty damn messy, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Because he only hired fifteen year olds. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not surprised. Any fifteen year old isn't going to put in a good job, are they? Nope. So he started up this building firm. Um, as time went by, he met up with an old school friend of his called Carol Hofgren. Mm-hmm. Uh, this lady, she was divorced and she had two little girls, and um, they got married on the first of June, nineteen seventy-two. 
She was aware of Gacy's previous prison sentence, but she didn't know it was for sexual assault. Mm -hmm. But he was also completely open with her about his developing bisexuality and she didn't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Um, He claimed, like she said, he said to her, she said, (laughs) he said, she said, she said that he said to her, I I promise I will never be unfaithful to you with another woman. But then may you be men. And apparently she didn't have a problem with it. Which she didn't. She said that on the video. Mm-hmm. It was fine until it weren't. It wasn't, yeah. <laughs> so she claimed that he swept her off her feet when they met and that she was beguiled by his charm and his generosity. And as a divorcee of two little children, she was grateful and happy to, to again, have a stable and fancy, secure family and home life again. So she must have thought, brilliant, this is great. Mm-hmm. Hooked up with my old classmate. Yeah. You know, he's starting his own business, got his own house. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed really good, really normal. Obviously, like he has admitted that he may have the odd gay fling, mm-hmm. but perhaps she thought I can reconcile that in my mind, put it out of her mind, yeah. kind of thing. So, as a member of the JCs, he maintained his work in the community and he enjoyed dressing up as a clown, a character he created called Pogo, the happy clown, and Patches, the serious clown. And twice a month, he would go and go to the hospital and entertain ill children. And he's quoted as saying that uh, clowns can get away with murder. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think he also said to one of his friends, when you're a clown, you can do what you want. You can you can sit on a woman's lap. You can push it, you know. And yeah. it, that gave me t- Donald Trump vibes, actually. Yes. Do you remember when he said that? You he's can... the biggest clown of them all. Orange paint. Yeah. But, you know, do you remember when he was caught on camera going, oh, I just grabbed him by the pussy mm-hmm. and they let me because of who I am. I mm-hmm. thought, this is him saying mm-hmm. the same thing because I'm dressed as a clown. I can get away with things which I couldn't if I wasn't dressed as a clown. So Scary, he's, that or, he's already sort of using the clowning as a sinister way of, I don't know. Don't like it. Yeah. yeah. It's just another step in, small step, but another yeah. step in the escalation. Sexual I've assault, that as, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it absolutely 100%. is, yeah. Disguised as a clown. Disguised as a clown. Fuck me. <laughs> um, he also enhanced his facade as a neighbourhood good guy and he would throw hugely popular parties and barbecues. So there's loads of pictures online, isn't there, of these barbecues and stuff. And they all look really good. We would love them because mm. he seemed to love a theme, didn't he? He did. Did you see? There's like there's like a cowboy theme. There was a like a Civil War theme. Mm-hmm. He had a few themes. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll have a theme. I like a bit of fancy dress. Oh, don't. Not the Gacy's. No, not the Gacy's. <laughs> no swinging and no clans, thank you very much. <laughs> I wouldn't go in that flipping basement, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Um, so, on the 3rd of January, 1972, 16-year-old Timothy Jack McCoy, who is at Chicago's Greyhound bus terminal, um, Gacy lures him back to his house with the promise of a bed for the night and that he would drop Timothy back to the bus terminal the following day. Timothy agreed and the two of them uh, went back to Gacy's house where they had, had a few drinks, took some drugs and watched some porn. Um, Gacy claimed that he woke up the next morning to find McCoy standing over him brandishing a knife so Gacy as panicked overpowered the boy and he stabbed him to death in his version of self-defence however when Gacy returned to the kitchen to put the knife you know rinse off the knife and put it back Mm -hmm. he realised that McCoy had actually made breakfast the table was laid and he'd literally just come in with the knife in his hand from making breakfast so it was an innocent mistake kind of thing that's what he said anyway. Oh, fuck. So, Gacy went on to bury McCoy's body in the crawl space under the house. Um, and years later, when being interviewed about his first murder, Gacy would admit that the act of stabbing and of hearing the gurgling sounds coming from Timothy's 
Timothy gave him a mind-numbing orgasm and that death was the ultimate thrill. Uh, once he'd buried Timothy's body, he then proceeded to cover it in concrete, you know, to stop the smell. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Timothy was the first person that um, Gacy murdered. That was 1972. So he was still married and living with his wife and his two stepdaughters mm-hmm. at that point as well. Yeah. So, um, shall I take over? Yeah, over to you, babe. So- a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Carol notices a strange smell coming from the crawl space, but her husband blames it on the runoff of sewer pipes and attempts to stifle the smell by spreading concrete and lime Mm. on the body to get rid of the smell. So she's a bit curious. What the fuck's that smell? So, yeah... Apparently, if you talk to someone who works in that sort of industry, like I used to have a friend who was paramedic, and she said that um, there's no mistake in that smell. No. And so when you when you hear about police officers saying, "I walked in, I didn't know what that smell was," you do Mm -hmm. think, really? They know instantly that smell. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're unless it's the first time they've ever smelled it. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Apparently, the smell of death is very distinctive, and there's no mistake in it. Oh no. But yeah. God, oh, I don't think. No, about it, I actually. don't actually. No. no, 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 no. Cover it in lime. Yeah, let's have lime. Yeah. So by the end of July in 1975, John Bukovic, one of many young men and teenagers hired for PDM, um, had a com- heated confrontation with Gacy over unpaid wages. So his car's found near his parents' house following the day with key in the ignition. He's later identified as Gacy's third murder victim after luring his victims to his house he would mention that he wanted to perform a party trick on them so what he would do he would quickly handcuff the young man or boy with his hands behind his back when the victim asked him about the trick Gacy simply stated that the trick is you need to have the key we can only imagine the fear of these young people they must have gone through when finding out they would be abused and murdered by this deranged sucker path (laughs) 
The trick didn't always go to plan um, for Gacy because sometimes he wasn't able to handcuff the victim fast enough. So when Gacy tried the trick on 15-year-old Anthony, oh God, Anatucci, in July of 75, that's exactly what happened. He was unaware that Anthony was a wrestler in school, so he was able to get the keys and actually get the handcuffs off, Gacy. So I was like, well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, take the handcuffs off Gacy and put them on him, John. Mm-hmm. So Gacy's literally handcuffed. Have some of your own medicine. Um... Gacy was sleazy enough, though, to talk his way out of the situation and Tony actually let him go and he didn't go to the police because they he made it like it was a joke. Like, I was only playing with you. you. You got the trick right. Bingo. Ding, ding, ding. You're a winner. That Tony Antonucci mm-hmm. is on the Gacy tapes. Yeah. Talking about that. And, um, yeah, he said Gacy... Described it as horseplay. Yeah, don't like it. And um, and he thought that it was like an initiation. Oh, so that's why he didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. He just thought, oh, I think because I think Gacy said you're the only one that not only got out of the handcuffs but put them on me. So he took that to mean that everyone who starts working at PDM yeah. has to go through this kind of initiation. Mm-hmm. That's all. He, he just thought it's harmless. Yeah, it's like tartan paint. And spirit bubble levels. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is, yeah. You get the youngsters to do something stupid, but... Mm, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, Shady he was on the... Uh, yeah. yeah. Luckily, he knew what he was doing lucky. with the wrestling. He's very, very lucky. So, um, he got involved in politics again as well, and he was running for the same office as he held earlier, earning the title of pre- precinct captain. He actually met with the first lady at the time, Rosalind Carter, and she was the wife of President Jimmy Carter. She even signed a photo for him that said, To John Gacy, best wishes, Rosalind Carter. That's embarrassing. That's so bad. Bingo, on the nose. <laughs> also, obviously, this was a serious embarrassment for the White House when the gravity of Gacy's crimes became near <laughs> late. I bet they was wishing to oh! God that, that photo would just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Where's the prints of that picture? They're going yeah. in the bin. Yeah. Too late, they're all over the internet. <laughs> Here they are. Have that. So by January 1976, the complaints begin really piling up. The police camp out at 821 West Somerdale Avenue after a nine-year-old boy prostitute is reported missing. How old did you say? Nine-year-old boy. A nine-year-old boy? Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. And he's a prostitute? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's sad. Oh, attempts to question... Young men coming and going from the house failed to uncover any relevant evidence. So I think they've got a whiff of something, not quite right, but unsure why. Mm. So he's now living alone. He's separated from Carol. Um, and the divorce has happened by March. During this time, he begins to appearing more frequently around time as his alter ego, Pogo. He also picks up the pace on his murderous spree, claiming another two dozen victims from April 1976 through to the end of 1977. That's quite a fucking lot in that time. Mm. So by 21st of March, after luring Jeff Rangel to his car with an offer to smoke weed, Gary subdues the 26-year-old with chloroform soap drag, tortures and rapes him at his home, dumps him out in the car park, um, he then, Jeff, accepts $3,000 to settle the legal charges and not go to the police. 
Mm. So he's got away with it, but just, again, the 11th of December, 1978. So when 15-year-old Robert Peast goes missing, after his friend and co-worker tell his mum he intends to see someone about a high-paying job, the friend's name was King Burroughs Lind. Rob and Kim worked at the Nissan Pharmacy and she had asked to borrow Robert's blue coat and it was down, like um, feathers. Um, while working in the front of the shop, where, where in December it can get pretty cold as customers are coming and going and over constantly the flow of traffic in the shops opening the doors. Oh, I'm waving my hands about and hit the mic. <laughs> Boing. So... She unintentionally sees a sub in a bin and literally picks it up and puts it, a photo sub, for her photos in her coat pocket, not thinking she's just done it, um, and forgets all about it. So Rob ends up asking for his jacket back to go and talk to someone about a construction job that's going to go on in the pharmacy outside. So he gets the jacket and goes and talks to this guy. So... After a while, Rob's mum walks in concerned, like, where is he? I've come to collect him. And Kim goes, oh, I see him speaking outside with someone. It, like, I don't know, really. So she gets really concerned, the mum, and um, she notifies the police. So the police start to follow the trail of witnesses to Gacy's home. Unlike many of the other runaways and dropouts who wound up at Gacy's clutches in the middle of the night... Robert is a popular high school student with strong ties in the community. He liked gymnastics and was a keen photographer. Excuse me. And he was working in the pharmacy to save up for a camera. So police see Gacy's name on the list of people who were in or near the drugstore that evening. And when they checked his background, they saw he had been charged with sodomy Mm. all that time before. As you said, at that time, if you went to state to state, it wasn't readily available mm. unless you was actually looking for, like, looking at that person's name and then see it. So they asked him to come down to the station and he got all waggy over it because it just pissed me off how he goes on about it. He gets right shroppy, mm. throws his toys out the pram and says his mum's just passed away and that they would have to wait. So he comes in on the 12th of December 1978 and he's covered in mud and so was his car. Hmm. So the police first go back to Gacy's house. Uh, well, they ask him to search the house. He doesn't, but he says, no, you're not going in my house. Mm. They end up getting a warrant. So when they go into his house, you know what you said about the KFC where he sets up like a little man cave? Mm. He's done the same in his house. He's got a tiki bar. He's got a pool table. Oh, I saw that in the photographs of his house. Yeah. He's got this, all along one wall, with this bar. It looks wicked, doesn't it? Oh, I was going to say, I thought, yeah. It's got... But it's a man's cave, isn't it? Yeah, he he clearly likes company. Yeah. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got porn going on (laughs) 24-7. KFC, Yeah. Buckets of KFC, shrunk about the place. (laughs) He's got creepy clan portraits and figures, and they are... Fucking creepy. Yeah. Even for 70s style creepy, they are vile. The pictures on the wall of the clowns. Oh, yeah. It's like something out of a nightmare. Yeah. He has books with titles as Gay Boys gay boys Must Die and Sex Between Men and Boys. Nice. He has sex toys and uh, torture equipment, like handcuffs, ropes and, yeah. 
There, there was no lube. Sorry, inside joke. Inside joke. There was a trapdoor in the closet in the crawl space, but they didn't find anything. So they've found the trapdoor, they've found the crawl space. At a quick glance, there's nothing now. Gacy's lawyer later theorised that his client began to get more and more clearless about his killings. Um, so that's it. So it's getting more. I don't know, cat and mouse, you know, like, oh, I wonder if they're going to get me today, kind of thing. So when investigators find a receipt linked to Robert, which was the photo stub that Kim had put in the coat pocket, out of the blue coat, um, it was in the bin. And also in the bin was a May West class ring with the initials J-A-S graved in on it. Gacy is put on the all-round-the-clock surveillance and he knew within a day that he was being followed. So the police then decide to change tactics. So rather doing it undercover, and they knew he knew, because he was driving erratically, he was just being an absolute dick. So they go up to him and then try and play a psychological game on him and tell him that they're going to be following him 24-7. And they called it overt surveillance. So that's letting him in on the surveillance because he was... But he still carried on being a dick. I think they used to just have breakfast together and yeah. stuff, didn't they? And he, he used knew. to tell people, I've mm. got all this coming up. But yeah, they're my bodyguards. Yeah, that's what Oh my God, they're the FBI, they're watching me. Like, really like to hook these guys up. Mm. Fucking madness. So, um, sorry. <laughs> so they told him everything they was doing and watching him 24-7. Gacy enjoyed the cat and mouse game and would drive like crazy all over just to torment them and piss them off. And you've got to remember, this is in December, so snow's quite pulled high. And he would just skid in the snow just to try and piss them off. Mm. That He thought it was just a game. So he told on knockers, yeah, I see, I told you. The police were following him with everybody's guards. Mm. Such a twat. So the police started to question people who worked for Casey. And this like, led to a young man who worked for him to um, was told that he was... Uh, able to escape from being raped by him and appeared to have done some unusual work for the serial killer. His name was David Cram. He also confessed that he was hired by Gacy to dig some trenches beneath his house. He claimed that he was unaware that he was actually digging graves for Gacy. But um, one day he dug in the wrong area and Gacy loses his shit at him. You know why? Because he's digging near the bodies. Mm. Um, And told him to go and dig elsewhere because he's ruining it all. So another employee was Mike Rossi, and he was driving a car from a victim with different number plates. It turns out that Gacy had sold Rossi the car and just swapped plates on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So there they're getting a story behind Gacy, and they're getting more and more evidence kind of building up. That's the thing. A lot of his victims worked for him, Mm -hmm. and yet... He still wasn't caught for no. years. It's weird, isn't it? It's like lads, 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 isn't it? Fucking hell. Yeah, but you yeah. know the, the the rule is don't shit on your own doorstep. <sighs> I know. Make I know. sure you don't have any connection with your victims, otherwise you're going to get caught. Like yeah, but he got away with it, didn't I he? Know. It's craziness. Mm. So the police officers that were following him one day had an idea. So I can't remember Bob and Tony. I think their names were. So they hatched a plan. They had hints that there was a soul and TV in Gacy's house. So what they thought is, if they can get in that house, find the soul and TV, they can then get a search warrant, a proper one, and search for longer because they knew that something weren't quite right with his house. So they've gone in now, 
Bob says, I'm going to the toilet. Wink, wink, nudge, mm. nudge. You keep him busy. So the other police officers kept him busy, talking him up, this, that and the other. And time was getting on, getting on, getting on. And um, they couldn't find a TV. And in the end, like, time had run out for him, Bob. So he's come back. And as he's come back, the heating had been turned on for about 15 minutes. And they both of them just looked at each other because they could smell the smell of death. They just knew that there were bodies and most probably Robert was in this house, but they just didn't know where. So they knew they had to get another warrant to get into this house. So um, on the December the 20th, Gacy knew the wolves were closing in on him after a week of being followed and he just went completely off the rails. After being questioned, questioned when he went and see his new lawyer, he drunkenly admits to his lawyer, Sam, I'm very tree, I think he's... Sam's a real character. Yeah. He's on the Gacy tapes. Yeah. And he said, he, he went, I sat down Gacy and I went, John, yeah. stop fucking around. Tell me what you've done. <laughs> and then John was, Gacy was like, oh, yeah. Da, da, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, I've done it. He's like, yeah. proper pussy in the end. Yeah, so Just because someone like fucking stands up to him, he just... Yeah. Buckled. Coward. Frick. Absolute coward. So um, Sam said that... Um, he admits drunkenly that he's tortured, raped, and killed at least thirty young men. Mm. He then falls asleep. He said something like, "Roughly thirty. Yeah, That's so nonchalant. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? So yeah, Gacy's asleep on this guy's office chair. So he runs down Sam and says to the thing, "He do not let him leave this thing. I'm getting a psychiatrist in here. We're having him stated in the morning. Don't let him leave." So they're going, "All right, all right." Um. And then later, it's recalled that the horrified lawyer was so shocked by the news that he just made himself physically sick and he felt so uneasy because of client-lawyer confidentiality and because he couldn't tell the police or he couldn't tell anyone. It just sucked really heavy on his stomach. Fucking course it would. Mm. So um, it was snowing. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. So at 6 o'clock in the morning, Gary wakes up, Gacy wakes up, and he panics, proper panics, that he's just spilled his guts out to this lawyer, gets in the car and bolts. So they've let him leave. And like they're like, shit, what are we going to do? Like, how can we tell anyone? We can't because of this confidentiality. But he's a fucking scary mofo, you know? So I've got about three dates. So December 21st, 22nd and 23rd, 1978. It was badly snowing again and Gacy was speeding on the ice so the police couldn't follow him playing the same game he's been playing all the time. They found him, so they stopped following him for a bit, but they found him at a gas station, petrol station. So Gacy's apprehended and by armed police when he sees, when he's been seen handing a bag of marijuana to a gas station clerk. This is the chance they needed to get him. And prompting another home search reveals, so they're going in for another warrant. So prompting another home search that reveals the first discovery of human remains that gets the judge signing the warrant says now, he says, um, now go and get that son of a bitch. So I was like, yeah, even the judge fucking knows because they've got all this evidence there. Yeah. They need to get in that ass and they need to get these bodies. So the following day, the suspect delivers a rambling statement to the police in which he confesses to killing more than 30 men and boys, with most buried in his crawl space and the rest thrown into the Des Plaines River. 
though Gacy, Gacy later attempts to try and retract his statement and confession. Now, with the Cook County Police in the house, an officer starts to look in the back crawl space when he notices some worms. That made me feel fucking sick, that bit, did it, yo? Yeah, I think they, there's a picture of the worms. Yeah. And he wondered what they were eating. They, they're fresh, chubby worms there. So he starts... KFC. Oh! So they start <laughs> digging where them worms were, or retracted to, um, and he unearths a shoulder bone cats. So over the next several weeks, investigators would unearth the remains of 29 bodies on Gacy's property and another four in the rivers of the southeast of Chicago. Mm. So I've got a list of victims and there's many, so I won't bore you with them. God love them all. But at that time, moment in time, they found another five victims that were unidentified. They didn't know who these were. At the time, it was at nine. The time, oh, nine. Yeah, when he went to trial, it was nine. Okay. Um, he's five now. Yeah, okay. So um, Gacy said, he's, um, this is a quote from Gacy, he tells the officers how he would kill them. So he said, I would type a road around their neck and he says, look at your hand, think of your hand as a neck and your, no, your hand as a head and your wrist as a neck and you're tying a bit of string around it and you slip knock it. You put a pencil or a bit of stick in that slip knot, then you slip knot it again, and then you just turn like a tap. You just turn the pencil, slowly doing strangulation. Um, and he, the victims would pass out, leaving Gacy free to molest them, and they all would eventually pass away, or they're in, left in a weakened state that Gacy could then go on to strangle them himself, shove socks down their throat. Mm. and stuff like that and just basically kill him. One of his survivors, and this was um, this was the scene that freaked me out in the Jeffrey Dahmer one. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fellas, I don't know, I think it may have been the one who he chloroformed. Mm-hmm. He said that Gacy dunked him in the bath over and over and over again, like drowning him and then bringing him back. Waterboarding. And mm. so, you know... Maybe he did that to all of them. Yeah. There's no way of knowing. Oh, there's no way. It's the ones, just what yeah. he says, there's, there's quite. There was quite a few survivors because he got away with it, didn't mm-hmm. he? There's quite a few. And they said some of the stuff that he did to them. Um, Animal. And, yeah, and obviously they survived it, but most of the most of the poor fellas didn't. But yeah, he he was, um, yeah, torturing as well. It was just killing. Yeah. And, yeah. Animal. Absolute animal. And some of the corpses were found still with the ligatures around their necks. Mm. Some of them were found with the like what he'd use as gags still oh. in their in their uh, windpipes and stuff. Do you think he was trying to make it a sex game so they would allow him to do such things? Yeah, because he did say to his survivors as well, mm-hmm. "I've got you, and now I'm going to rape you. Oh, God. I'm going to do whatever I want to you." Yeah. So we, because there are survivors, we do know. Yeah. Um, we do know what it was like to be a victim of ghosties. Mm-hmm. Cause- yeah, so I just got this little clip here from the Gacy tapes where he kind of explains why he did what he did for two hours you brought their body to do what you want with it they're to me they're not a human being it's like you go into the store if you buy something you bring it home and you decide you don't like it you want to break it it's yours to break because you paid for it it's just fraud Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's absolutely frightening, that tape. So he sees these young men as nothing more than a purchase. Because mm. he did say... I Some think, are sex workers, though, aren't they? Yeah, I think when they asked him... You know, why did you have... Yeah, some, some people he just mm. had sex with and let go, others he killed. He said, well, usually, if I if we'd agreed a price mm-hmm. and then they decided to up the price, then I'd kill them. Mm. So he was always trying to blame it on the victim. Yeah. But, oh, it was their fault. They tried to, like, charge me $50 when we'd agreed 20 or something like that. It was He's just trying to make excuses up yeah. for it when most of the kids weren't sex workers in the first place. Mm-mm. I mean, his poor... poor Last victim, Robert, mm-hmm. worked in pharmacy. Yes, school exactly, kid, you know. Yeah. He wasn't no. um, on the streets no. or anything. I know some of them were, but he definitely wasn't. No. Um, he said he did actually describe what happened to Robert. He said he tried to say that he had amnesia. Mm-hmm. He said that he tied Robert up, told Robert that he was going to rape him. Then he did rape him and he strangled him but didn't kill him. And he said Robert was on the bed crying his eyes out, really frightened and obviously in pain. And then there was a phone call. So Gacy went and answered the phone. When he came back, he found Robert had died from, um, you know, strangulation. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was from the gag. So um, he said, oh, I was really tired. I needed to go to bed. So I just got the got the body, chucked it in the loft, went to bed. The next day, the police knock on the dogs. Obviously, they're looking for Robert. Mm-hmm. Robert was in the loft at that point. Fucking hell. Because they didn't have a warrant, they couldn't come in and look no. around. If they had done, they would have found him straight away because I've no doubt they checked the loft yeah. when they were looking for the telly and stuff, but they obviously didn't dig, dig the Shannon floor Shannon Matthews just saying, but yeah. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I thought. Yeah, it's a classic place. Look, isn't it, yeah. the loft? Yeah, So, um... Jesus Christ. He's luck of the devil, that fella. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. He's played a part with him, as he, packed. Mm. Yeah, fuck me. Yeah, so sorry. I I only touch on the snippets because I can't handle it. You know what I'm like? I'm such a wuss. So that brings us to April, the 23rd of April, 1979. After being charged with seven murders in early January 1979, Gacy is then inducted for another 26 after the search on his house has been completed and the rivers. Um, by a grand jury, the total representing the largest number of charged to one person in American history. Before his trial, Gacy was sent to a psychiatric institution to get an evaluation done. Over a period of 17 days, the specialists concluded that he had an antisocial personality disorder. To make things even worse, they deemed it would be impossible to use medication or any form of treatment to change his behaviour. 
of this individual that he would permanently be a threat to society and should never be let out. Um, they said they uh, simply concluded that he was a true psychopath and this disorder can simply can't be cured. So that's quite saying, I think, well done to them because most of the people we do, when they mm-hmm. re-offend, like they've seen him for what he is and said, no, he should never be let out, he's going to be a constant threat, well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 6th of February 1980, the five-week-long trial features the gut-wrenching testimony of Rignall, who vomits on the stand after recalling the torturers enacted on him. That was uh, Jeffrey Ringle, wasn't yes. it, who he dropped off at Linkin Park yes. that time? The yeah, the chloroform, we were mentioned. Yeah. yeah. So um, the forensic experts who explained how most of the victim died in the way of rope tightened around their necks Entering a plea guilty of insanity against their client's wishes, the defence calls on Gacy's mother and sister, who recount, recount the physical and emotional abuses inflicted by his father, as well as medical witnesses to confirm their findings of Gacy's mental disturbances. So now they're really trying to get this um, insanity plea going. It's the only defence he can yeah. even hope to get. Yeah, get, yeah. 100%. <laughs> There's no way he can... Um... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way, is there? So, however, the state argues that Gacy was fully capable of comprehending his crimes. So, with the prosecutor, William Knuckle dramatically dropping photos of each known victim onto the trap door of Gacy's crawlspace, brought to the courtroom as evidence during his closing arguments so with that jury, see all them victims. Mm. Fucking bad, isn't it? don't think I could do jury service with like this. I can't handle it. I think by the time it went to trial, all of the victims apart from nine had been identified. Mm-hmm. They were really struggling because there wasn't much left of them. Mm-hmm. They were relying on families of missing young men yeah. to send through dental records so they could match them. So they had, what did they have, 24 faces, mm-hmm. photographs and names, probably 24 witness statements from them boys' families. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, there was nine blank because they couldn't identify mm-hmm. them, which was so sad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. That was a very powerful, very powerful yeah. move. And I think Gacy's defence lawyer was quoted at the time as saying he knew. Yeah. He knew at that point there was no way he was going to no, win. He was done. It was such a dramatic mm-hmm. thing to do to bring the crawl space into the courtroom. Yeah. And to demonstrate each of those young boys being thrown into there, just disregarded oh. like they were nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Absolutely. Awful. So by March the 12th, 1980, the jury takes just one hour and 50 minutes, so it's not long at all, is it, to find Gacy guilty of the murders. The following days, the same jury takes two hours and 15 minutes to impose the death penalty. Drawing applause from onlookers. Afterward, Judge Louis B. Garapo thanks the jury, saying, whatever the cost of the trial, it was a small price to pay. For what we do for the John Gacy's of this world, what we would do for everyone. So he's saying, thank you, you've made the best decision. That's how I see it. Mm. The same day his wife filed from divorce, which was granted the following year, he never saw his wife or his children ever again in his life. June 13th, 1981. Through funds donated by the Funeral Directors Association of Greater Chicago, nine identified Gacy victims, each buried under the headstone inscribed with the words, we are remembered. Five years later, one of the bodies is determined via 
dental records, that of Timothy McCoy, Gacy's first victim. Do you want to take over this mm-hmm. one, Kaz? <clears throat> yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, Timothy McCoy went missing in 1972. Mm-hmm. And um, he, when all the Gacy stuff started to come out, his family sent through his dental records. And because they didn't hear back at the time, they presumed that Timothy wasn't one of the victims, that something else had happened to him because he never turned up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, in 1986, there was an investigative reporter who wrote a book about Gacy. I think they, I think he, like interviewed some cellmates and friends of Gacy and he wrote a book and um, Timothy McQuay's then grown up cousin was happened to just pick up a magazine in doctor's surgery and was reading an article about this new book that had come out and she noticed a few key points that tied in with Timothy's story she thought um, because Gacy didn't know the name of his first victim but mm-hmm. he said that he picked him up in 19, at the early part of 72 I think it was New Year's Day or the day after that it was at the Greyhound station just one or two little points and she thought this this could tie with Timothy I wonder if they made a mistake with his dental records I'm going to look into it so she got the investigative reporter to look into it for her and it turned out the dental records never made it to the to the authorities because Timothy's mum at the time hadn't been able to bring herself to send the dental records <sighs> she lied to the family she said that she'd done it when she hadn't and I do get that mm-hmm. because all the while you don't know there is a slim, there's a sliver of hope isn't there yeah 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 I do get that. Um, so they got the dental records, sent them over, and they did manage to identify that that was Timothy, was his very first victim. Oh, so they exhumed, exhumed him from the unmarked grave and buried him with his father. Oh, God, so love give him. him like a proper family yeah. burial, which is lovely. Yeah. I just wanted to say something else about during the trial. They did get um, some of victim. So... Early on in the trial, the jury heard from the families of some of Gacy's victims mm-hmm. and they spoke about the last time that they'd seen their sons. Um, a number of them had met Gacy in the past because some of the victims had worked for him. So in an attempt to counteract the insanity defence, mm-hmm. they were asked about Gacy's mannerisms and all said he came across as a regular man. So not only had he killed their children, they knew him because he was their kid's employer. And they could say, well, I'm sorry, I met Gacy loads of times when mm. I went to his barbecues or I dropped my son at the building site. And he seemed normal. He wasn't barking mad. Yeah. So that that was like, yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. On the, they're on the stand fighting, mm-hmm. really fighting. Good. Um, one of, I mean, his victims were so young, I didn't realise until, you just presume they're mm-hmm. at least 18, but mm-hmm. they're not. No, they're not. So there was a lady called Bessie Stapleton, whose 14-year-old son, Samuel, was mm-hmm. found in Gacy's crawl space and she testified on day two of the trial and when she was handed a bracelet that was found on her son's skeleton Mm -hmm. and asked to identify it she became so overcome with emotion that she fainted and the trial had to be halted Jesus Christ yeah it's um it's awful isn't it yeah I'll I'll read out the list names at the end and then if anyone wants to tune out they can should we do that and I've got the names and ages well there I was going to say he was found guilty wasn't he of 33 murders Mm -hmm. sexual assault and taking indecent liberties Mm. have you heard of that terminology no Neither do I, so I looked it up. You know, yeah. I, you know how I you like, like to it. look. Yeah, I have on. to know what it yeah. means. I can't say words and not know no. what they mean. So, the definition of is when a person knowingly initiates an unwanted sexual interaction with another person, usually a minor. Sexual assault. Yeah. So that is taking indecent liberties. Dressed as a clown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, sexual assault and taking indecent liberties are two different things. Because okay. he was done for both of them as okay. well as the thirty-three murders. Okay. So. 
So, yeah, there we have it. Yeah, by March the 4th, 1985, the High Court rejects Casey's um, assertion that his death sentence amounts to cruel and unusual punishment. So, yeah, he says that, no, it's being cruel, you can't put me to death. And they're saying, no, you're going to death. He has a so, few appeals, didn't he? He kept saying that he yeah. he, had, he blacked out every time he killed mm-hmm, the boys, mm-hmm. and he kept saying, "I didn't even I didn't even do anything." Yeah. How can you, how can you, you know, convict me of murder when I didn't mm-hmm. even do it? I don't even remember doing it. Yeah. I mean, what what stupid thing to say? I know. Does he honestly think anybody's going <laughs> exactly? To, even listen. if you don't remember doing it, you remember taking the body. He's and fucking done it. Burying so, yeah, it. exactly, exactly. It's like no one's breaking into your house exactly. and just dumping dead bodies on your bed, are they, mate? No. Come on. No, no. So, um, through dissenter Thurgood Marshall acknowledges that the causes raised legitimate constitutional questions, paving the way for Gacy's appeal to drag on for close to another decade. So, because he was saying the death penalty is cruel, he knows, we know this, he knows he's a clever man and he knows politics and this is the way he's trying to get out of the death sentence. And he knows that they, they're looking at him thinking, oh, it does seem a bit, you you make a good, you make a good questionable debate. Mm. So they're debating it for over a decade. Lots of people spend... 10, 20 years on death yeah. row, don't they? It so, seems to be a thing. Appealing it. It's probably yeah. because of the appeals, isn't yeah. it? So one of the most particular facts about John Wayne Gacy is that he actually thrives in the prison environment. He senses well of um his sense of well order and organisational skills serve him really well and when he's in prison, so he loves it, he thrives off it. He's been in prison before, isn't yeah. he? He knows how to work the system. That's it. So one of his major arguments to spare his life after he was sentenced to death for his heinous crimes later on, he starts to paint prison. Oh, so, yeah. He starts to painting prison, mostly of clans, and can be associated, uh, and that can be associated with pop art. This artwork has been auctioned off with the highest being paid over 12K in 1994. I bet that's worth more now. Have you seen them? Oh, 100%. Mm. 100%. So, 17th of December, 93, after another appeal is rejected by the US Supreme Court in the Illinois Supreme Court since the date of May the 10th, 1994, to execute the convicted mass murderer. I didn't think it was that far in the future. When I first read about it, I still, in my head, thought it was all 70s, 80s. I didn't know it went into the 90s. Oh, yeah. So, March 1st, 94, after having already made waves with his clown theme to paint in the sketches, Casey Thurver raises the like of the officials by revealing a $1.99 per minute telephone line call to make, <laughs> which features a recorded interview of him answering commonly asked questions about the case, which leads to the next figure series called the John Wayne Gacy Capes so he actually gets paid for that case mm. that's mad right mm. so May 10th 1994 his last second attempts to stay out of the executioner is squashed Gacy's transferred to inner lawyer Statesville Correctional Centre where he's reported to be in a chatty mood he drives the last meal of KFC do you know what I read that and I thought um that was also the last meal of Aileen Werner. Yes, it was. Mm. He has shrimps with that because he's a big boy and fries and strawberries. After the 
devouring his last meal, he delivers a final statement on behalf of his innocence. The 52-year-old is put to death after midnight by lethal injection to further emphasise the fact that he was a true psychopath. His final words wasn't very flattering as well. He simply stated, kiss my ass." Mm. Yeah, so, October the 12th, 2011. Armed with new DNA technology, Cook County Sheriff Thomas Dart announces that he's exhumed the remains of the eight identified Gacy victims and urges relatives of young men who went missing into the 1970s come forward and undergo a DNA test. His efforts bear fruit when victim number 19 is identified the following month as William George Bundy. And when victim number 24 is identified as James Byron Hankson in July 2017. So, yeah, so there's that. How many's that left? Three or five left to be identified. Uh, there's five, I think, because there's another one. Alexander, uh, Francis Wayne Alexander. Oh, um, he was identified. Love in, him. I don't know when actually. I've got it written down here. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he was the last one, I think. Love him. So yeah. Well, thank you so much, listeners. Have you got anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think um, it is ongoing. At the end of the John Wayne Gacy tapes, it mm-hmm. does give um, viewers the option to contact the. Um, the place I don't know, like Sheriff Dart mm-hmm. and his team, yeah, to get the DNA samples. The Cook County. Do you know where I know it? Yeah, from Chicago. Yes, because it's Chicago. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> that's <laughs> where I know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I was going to say as well a little bit more about his execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was contending to die by lethal injection, which I've always thought sounds like quite a humane way of killing somebody because you think it's like, you know, when you have to take your dog to the vets and get them put down. Mm. And they just, but it's different with a, with a human being because obviously we're bigger. So you have an IV drip and then they put the chemicals into your bloodstream mm-hmm. and probably within, I don't know, five or ten minutes, then you're pronounced dead. Gacy, which I think is sweet justice for his poor victims and their families, mm-hmm. halfway through his um, lethal injection process, mm-hmm. the chemicals clogged up. With all the fat in his body. Well, they, before they could get in his arm, they clogged up in the IV, in the tube. Wow. But they wouldn't go into his body. So they pulled the curtains, because obviously there's people viewing yeah. it, witnesses and stuff, and they've had to do, do it all about redo it. Oh. And it took him... 18 minutes to die sorry, and sorry. apparently it would have been really painful for him Aww. which you know you just like wah, wah. sucks to be you motherfucker <laughs> quick hint on that I know with them chemicals sorry one is to paralyse your whole body mm. first and then the second one's to actually kill you so you don't feel the mm. pain for suffocating so I'm guessing the paralysing one was the one that clogged up so yeah, we probably. felt every fucking bit of it so yeah that's a little bit of sweet poetic justice yeah. there to be honest that's that mm. so well. yeah I mean he, his case remains one that's it does fascinate mm-hmm. it does fascinate oh 100% he's just yeah to get away with it for so long to do what he did and he's got a lot of victims love him yeah it was just a bad way wasn't it yeah. And he could have been happy. He could have had a decent life. Yeah, yeah, he could have he could have done. But he didn't. No. That bumped <laughs> he, to the um, end. Apparently he wrote something like twenty thousand letters to people while he was in prison. 
Like he answered to every single bit of fan mail that he got. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah, like you say, he, he did do some paintings and stuff and sold all them. But then there was a rumour as well that he just commissioned the other prisoners to do the painting for Sounds him. about right. Yeah. He's so, a good businessman. Who knows, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He was probably too busy just <sighs> eating fried chicken to do any painting. Like that. <laughs> So, yeah, so that brings us to the end of Around the World. We're going to catch our flights back to the UK, aren't we, Lauren? Yeah, and we'll meet you all there in about six weeks' time. Don't say six weeks. Pressure. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. But, yeah, watch our social media and we'll let you know. But in the meantime, um, we are going to be putting a few episodes out with our Blue Murder Talks. So we're going to have a couple of... um, couple of episodes not one every week but a few every now and then we've um we've got some, some great fellow... guests haven't we yeah with some guests and stuff so yeah look out for them and um obviously we've got patreon if you do get a bit bored and you want to pop over there just it's only three quid a month if you want you can just pay three quid listen to everything that we've done and then come off it if you want you know it's up to you and um yep yeah, that's me signing off i'm gonna stop <laughs> waffling thank you very much for listening over to lauren see you on the other side motherfuckers kiss my ass